guys, welcome to episode 106 of The Swish Room, the podcast that deep dives in the well-known, more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. It's me, Troy McKeady. And based on the description of this episode, you can see that we are doing a Housewives episode, which also means that you will 100% recognize the deep monotone, like, mon- not monotone, baritone? <laughs> not monotone. Sorry, <laughs> The baritone soft notes of Brandon Alvarado. Brandon, how are you? Monotone and great. <laughs> <laughs> the soft monotone notes. Um, oh, thank you. So we're doing an episode today. First of all, I'm you know I'm very transparent. I'm always transparent about like what's happening with the podcast. Brandon and I actually already recorded this episode. And we've done this before. This is not our first rodeo of re-recording the same episode. Um, but I have high hopes because the last time we did this, it turned out way better the second time. Very true. I have high hopes as well. I think that, honestly, who do you think who do you think got rid of our last episode? Was it Ashley? Was it Michael? Was it Giselle for some bizarre reason? Like, who did this? Who's responsible for this? It was Michael Darby. <laughs> I saw a flaky red and... And like hand on my mouse, click away and delete it. Oh God! It was <laughs> uh, yeah. I have no doubt this was Michael Darby who keeps who's just like bothering us. And if you guys hear every five seconds a Michael Darby clip, just saying I, there are no charges. There's I've been accused. I'm I'm innocent. <laughs> or if you hear us just like literally squirming because we're being groped by Michael Darby oh. as we record, like my my left butt cheek is just like being squeezed randomly. Um, so, obviously, Brandon and I are talking about Ashley and Michael Darby today from The Real Housewives of Potomac. Um, this is a city that we have never done, and um, I'm, I'm excited. I think that, I mean, I don't, I'm not the only one that thinks this. I think a lot of people would agree that Potomac is having, like, a, a real breakout year. This is, like, a really big turning point for them. And, like, you and I have always loved the show, but this year specifically, I think it's become, like, a contender with like the main cities it's sort of like leaving it's like sideshow roots as i lovingly call it and becoming yeah. like a main contender housewife city it's one of the best ones i've aired this year i think that i think potomac this year is better than atlanta that uh with its last season which was a tough one with eva and shamari i think it was better than beverly hills um i think that i think new york is still gonna be number one but i think potomac mm-hmm. is up there i think oddly enough i think new jersey's up there I think Dallas has been up there for a while. Funny, I think all like the the shows, like you said, the side shows, or like a Jersey situation where it sort of like lost its way, mm-hmm. making comebacks. Agreed. Wow. I agree with you. Shows like Atlanta, which I love. Atlanta, I do think mm-hmm. it's been struggling these past couple of years. Um, I agree. Kenya Moore will be better, but I think that while the the top the top dogs, even like Beverly Hills, like the ones that have gone down, the other ones have rose. Yeah, we're reaching like a, this is like a ridiculous thing to say in reference to Housewives, but we're reaching like a renaissance era with Housewives where like the way that we know these shows is sort of being um, like shaken up by the fact that like the the matriarch women of the cities are like, things are happening. Like Nene had a really weird season last year where she still believes in her mind that she's like the most important housewife to ever exist. But like Nene was horrific on the show last year. Like she was like really like not engaged at all. And like, I think that I just think that, and then like Lisa leaving, I think that like there's like a turning point happening and Potomac is one of those cities where it just feels like they're just happy to be here. 
I agree with that. I think that I, I, I think about who stay, who's going to be the one to stay in Potomac for all these years in a way that uh, a la Vicky Gumbelson, a la Nini Leakes, Kyle, Lisa, I think Giselle and Karen are my two guesses for who would like stay on the show the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, was that actually more so Giselle? I think she's never leaving. Um, and I love her. Yeah. I do, there is still, there's something very fresh about Potomac in a way that, compared to OC, which has felt stale and a lot of these shows, I, I, I agree with you. There is a turning point in the franchise where a bunch of these women are leaving. Vicky's just been demoted, the OG, the OC, longest mm-hmm. running. The fact that Tamara's now our longest running housewife is the most shocking thing in the world and also freaks me out. <laughs> but but yeah, I think that there is something still very, very fresh about Potomac. And I, and I think a lot of people were resistant to it four years ago when that show and Dallas premiered. I... And I think, and I, I wasn't totally resistant to it. I, I always enjoyed Potomac, but now four years later, I'm so grateful to have it amongst the other. Yeah. I agree. I, I mean, I understand people's um, like resistance towards like a new city because it is a little bit like, eh, you know, like we've been watching this for like 15 years. So it's like, it's weird to introduce a, a completely new cast, but I love Potomac. I think that it's been interesting to watch the show find its sort of footing and like figure out what kind of show it is and what kind of cast they want to be like we've literally watched this show work out the kinks and get to like a really great place and now it's uh it's easily one of the best uh best cities of the entire franchise where the other ones that are like the staple cities that you think of immediately are like sort of i don't know there's like they don't seem as important I agree with that. I also will say that Potomac and Dallas, uh, specifically Potomac, very, very interesting because when that show premiered, I mean, both shows premiered um, at a time where, um, like, if like some of the, the old episodes of OC, New York, Atlanta, even Jersey, maybe Beverly Hills, but not really, sort of feel like artifacts. Like, a sort of feel very like a moment of its time because OC premiered in like 2005. I mean, mm-hmm. of the other shows, some of them premiered in 2008 because the. And I think that we've seen the Housewives franchise grow so much that Potomac was one of the shows that you see these women came in at a time where they knew exactly how famous the other ones have been. Yeah. Um, And I think that, yeah, so like watching season one of Potomac is very, very, very different than watching season one of Atlanta. Yeah, 100%. Especially because, and you and I talked about this before, that like Potomac was introduced as like a different kind of show that they just kind of slapped a housewife title on. And I know the Potomac Ensemble. (laughs) (laughs) The Potomac Ensemble. And, uh, you know, like, I know that that's happened with other cities, like New York was like Manhattan moms or whatever, but like with the other cities that that's happened to, it was like, it was easy for the women of New York to transition into being real housewives uh, from Manhattan moms. I mean, like, what does that even mean? You know what I mean? Like, a show about business women that are moms in New York City, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? But, like, Potomac being a show about, that was introduced as a show about etiquette, and then randomly switching away from that, I think did a major, major disservice to the first season of the show. I because, I mean, I'm sure the women didn't want to sit around and talk about etiquette and, you know, who was allowed to sit down first at a fucking t- a restaurant for six months. I'm sure that they didn't, but they had to. 
one difficult thing about Potomac too that I love about the show, and I don't, and I would love to know your thoughts. And also, what I think is probably hard when it comes to casting the show is that like the Housewives franchise has always been like each city they've they've always said they wanted women who who they think represent the city in some way, and they do it mm-hmm. in somewhat, like problematic ways now. But like that's why for OC we see like blonde sort of conservative women. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the typical like stereotypical Italian like Atlanta the cast of black women mm-hmm. and sort of this idea of like we want to cast women who like represent the the city they're living in in ways that are both interesting but also a little bit problematic Potomac right. weird because Potomac the first thing I said on the show was that this was a group of black women in a mostly white community and the whole mm-hmm. point was that they were trying to show a very very small what they what they said on the show was a small black community within a majorly white community and mm-hmm. I like that they've done that with the show and twisted that a bit in terms of the concept of, is of bringing in women who maybe, quote, don't represent the society that they're living in. Right. Well, what do you think? I agree with that. Well, I like that too because I think with, like, with Potomac being a, quote, sideshow, I think it gives them the opportunity to have discussions about things that would be a little bit harder to uh, imagine the the audience being receptive to in like a city like Beverly Hills, you know what I mean? Because people sort of discredit Potomac as like not a real housewife city, and I can't imagine any other city in the franchise having so many intense conversations about race and um, about being mixed and being biracial and how you identify. And I mean, literally having like entire seasons revolve around whether you consider yourself to be white or black, like. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. Um, and I think that it, it's, I mean, I weirdly think they've kind of handled it pretty well. Like, just in the, the sense of, like, exposing this sort of uh, very specific thing that, like, in the Black community, like, we all know very well. And, like, I mean, it's very common and talked about a lot, but a lot of people don't know about. Yeah. Um, and I think Potomac did it really well. And, like, I think the fact that it is this like city it's a group of women that are like in a city where nobody like there aren't people like them alike like around around really it helped you know what i mean i agree i i mean i i really love that part of the first season and i think a lot of people i think a lot of people found it slow i would encourage people if they have not seen it or just have not seen it since yeah watch a little bit of it i I binge watched a little bit of season one not too long ago, actually, because I was watching the vacation episodes. Because season season one's vacation was um, Ashley's beach house in Bethany Beach, Delaware. Mm, yes, so, yes. Uh, um, and it's like it really was like a fine binge watch. All mm-hmm. of were very very interesting. Potomac's the kind of show, and not a lot of shows get away with this, but New York does. Is that um, Potomac's like they're the kind of women that you could watch them do like nothing, and it's still entertaining. Yeah, agreed. The other housewives, like Beverly Hills, thinks that they can do that, and it never works. Ever. Never works. Ever. Potomac, it works because Potomac is also very funny. It's 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 one of the shows that's also just very, very, very funny, and the women are just so charismatic, and it doesn't play like a soap opera the way that Beverly Hills and even Orange County does. Yeah, and like another thing that I wanted to talk to you about that you and I spoke about before um, is that I think. Potomac has become trailblazing in the sense that, like, I think that all of the other cities should be edited the way Potomac is edited. I think the way that they edited the show this year is the direction I think inevitably all the cities will end up. Yep. And they did it really well, where it's like a little bit of the fourth wall being broken, 
Um, not too much to like make Bravo uncomfortable because they clearly hate when the housewives acknowledge that they're famous, which is like fucking insane to me. Um, or when they acknowledge that they're housewives, like they're not allowed to mention the word. Uh, but in Potomac, they really like, they really broke the fourth wall this year. Like they were talking to producers every episode. Um, they were talking to camera people a lot. Like there was raw camera footage used a lot in this like crazy thing happening with Michael. Um, and I thought it was amazing. Like it made me, I think it made the audience feel way more connected to the show. I absolutely loved it. And I agree with you that that's the way the housewives shows will hopefully go. Um, I think, with Potomac, watching them talk to the producers. I mean, I was so curious to know how they were going to sidestep it because Bravo, as we know, always tries to sidestep it when they can. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to Michael Darby uh, groping a cameraman, I don't know how there was any other way that they were able, they they would have been able to kind of not talk about it directly. Mm -hmm. Because I I think to do that, to try and have the women in any way sort of sidestep it, 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 it it makes them have to like act in a way that I, is never interesting or good because, as we know, these women are not actors and right. they shouldn't have to be. So I think if they even had them try and, like, sidestep it or, like, try and act their way through it, I, I would have hated seeing that. And so I'm really glad they just decided to, like, say, fuck it. We're just going to do a whole thing and it'll be a storyline because that's exactly what had happened on, while filming the show. And to be honest, they had to acknowledge it somehow because these women are forced to film with Ashley. They're forced to film with Michael. Mm-hmm. How- acknowledge it it's weird if they wouldn't i i, I would have i think the season would have gone a completely different way if they decided to not acknowledge it at all yeah and like when you when you do compare it to cities like beverly hills that you know in my opinion like look i'm gonna watch the housewives until the fucking wheels fall off like let's be real but the direction that a lot of the major cities are going aside from new york more specifically Beverly Hills, like it's becoming a soap opera in the sense that it truly is a literal soap. Like it is like, like what I don't care about anymore is watching a group of women cascade into a fucking cafe at noon in ball gowns. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like I don't care about watching Erica Jane put on some fucking latex bondage to go get lunch at 3 PM. I don't care. Like all of that, like shallow surface level bullshit And I think that, like, Erica being cast on the show really amped that up, that now all the women are just, like, it's a fashion show. Like, all it is is the women showing up places and, like, turning out looks and fighting about silverware for seven months. You know what I mean? It's becoming so shallow and vapid and, like, about nothing. And, you know, like, and it's amplified by the fact that they don't break the fourth wall. So on top of the fact that you guys are literally fighting about a puppy for an entire season. Like it feels just so disconnected. You know what I mean? And my, and I think what I agree with you and what confuses me is I get that people, I personally don't love the whole idea of Beverly Hills being a lifestyle show. And I, and I Mm-mm. think the point Andy Cohen and Bravo has tried to classify as a lifestyle show to try and excuse why nothing actually happens on that show. Right. Being blessed with Denise Richards' presence every week, which, cause I love her. Yeah. Thank God. I lo- thank God. She was a saving grace that season. I just, that was me being angry. Thank God. Denise, I love you. Um, But what I will say is that the show is the highest rated show, Mm -hmm. and and the numbers that that show gets, it almost makes Potomac, especially a show like Dallas, and even at times like New York, seem almost like like um, like a niche sort of show. And I'm and I don't understand why that is. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like Beverly Hills amongst the Housewives fans is the highest rated, but like critically, I would say amongst us, like 
the rated the least. Like I would, I would say critically, it's pretty down there, pretty much down there. But I don't get why more people are watching that. I don't get that either. I think that it's for some reason it's easier for people to sort of digest. I think it's easier for people to like equate the Housewives brand to Beverly Hills. Like when a lot of people think of being a real housewife, they think of the things that happen in Beverly Hills. And it's like, sure. But also that's a show that was rooted in like, in a, as we talked about for an, an hour to two hours uh, before, a show about a woman in an abusive relationship whose, whose husband committed suicide. And like, that's what that show started off as. And the fact that it's become what it is, this like shell of its former self is so sad to me. And it just makes me love the cities like Potomac even more. Do you think Potomac would ever head in a direction like um, like Beverly Hills where it becomes sort of a shell of itself? And I say that as sounding naive because I, I, the reality is a lot of these shows do end up turning into a shell of themselves and yeah. more famous as more women are cast. And I think that's what I was trying to get to before too and I wasn't articulating well, is that Potomac came on at a time where these women, they knew how famous the other housewives were already, mm-hmm. but they still weren't famous themselves, so it still works. And they also didn't have a show to... They didn't have a sh- like, with Erica Jane. She came on Beverly Hills, knowing how famous these women were, but also knowing exactly the trajectory of Beverly Hills. Potomac, when they started, they had no idea because they knew how famous the Housewives were, but they there was no Housewives of Potomac. Right. So was, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. For them, like they were still able to carve out a space for themselves in a way that, like, uh, like okay, I'll say this really quickly about because uh, we were recording this on a Wednesday. OC aired last night, so like. Bronwyn, she's a new one, I'm, who Vicky at one point calls Brownwind, which I like. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's weird. It was so awkward watching um, Bronwyn interact with Kelly for a second. Kelly goes, I have this friend, Vicky. And Bronwyn's like having to ask, be like, oh, yeah, her. Meanwhile, Bronwyn said on every interview that she's seen the Housewives of Orange County for all four, 13 seasons prior because she loves it and she's from OC. So I don't know. It's like, annoying. It's so irritating. It's so fucking annoying. It's like, it's honestly insulting. It's insulting to the audience because Bravo is the reason that a lot of people are savvy about the way reality TV works. So for you to then insult the audience after 15 years of like programming, where like, we all know how this shit goes down. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's annoying and it's unnecessary and it doesn't work in 2019 the way that it did in 2006. It just doesn't. You also have to admit that some of these women just come from central casting. Every woman on Beverly yeah. Hills are not friends. I'm sorry, they're not friends with each other. OC, they're not friends with each other. Bronwyn came from central casting. Like, that's fine. And to be fair, on Potomac, Candace came from central casting. But she's, yeah. she's a horrible woman. But a, sorry. Yeah. I know Candace is listening. <laughs> yeah. Awful, awful human being, Candace. But but you're a good housewife, and it, and the thing is, it works. I mean, New York at this point, like most of the women who are on the show, come from central casting. I, I would still say that New York is still kind of the exception, but not really, because Tinsley sort of came from central casting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it works. But the point is, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Potomac, Candace is so central casting, but it works for whatever reason. It works. Yeah, I get that. In some ways, it, it it's like. And then New York is just like in a in a an entirely it's like in a world of its own because <laughs> the chemistry between those women is like what every city should aspire to be. And you know, you and I have said this before. I think I wish every city I'm I'm gonna get dragged for this and I'd literally do not care. I'm in a zero fucks mood today. Um I wish every city had a housewife like Bethany 
Yep. That forces the cast to be more authentic because what happens is you can like get off the, cause but this is like one of my criticisms of criticisms about Potomac. They're so desperate to find anything to make the show be dramatic at some, some <laughs> points. And they do this in Dallas a lot too. It's a sideshow sort of thing where they're so desperate to make the show be about something that it ends up about nothing because they will literally fight about anything they can think of. And this season they were forced to not do that because some really serious shit happened that forced them to have like authentic reactions to this like crazy thing. They weren't fighting about like, you know, who sat where at so-and-so's dinner. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And, um, I completely agree. They they were they were forced to have to deal with this, I, and it's fun to see how the women deal with this. Fun in a way that the the situation at hand is not fun. It's obviously very upsetting and, and yeah, and and scary and awful. Oh my god, Michael Darby is the worst. But it is interesting watching someone like Giselle, like having like when Giselle goes up to Michael and just goes like, "Oh, no charges!" Like high five. Like it's just. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of funny to watch these women sort of feel like Robin, like not knowing how to deal with the situation, sort of stumbling her way through it. Candace feeling vindicated when that's not the way she should be feeling. Yeah. Candace, as I've never seen Candace more proud of herself <laughs> over like something that she's like, not like, I, I can't, we'll talk about Candace, but um, what I do want to say about Ashley is as well. Um, Cause I also thought about this too is, um, how Potomac also somehow really, really does the whole like mixing of the younger and older women quite well in a way that mm-hmm. like tries but never does well. Like mm-hmm. Candace and Ashley are absurdly young amongst these group. Like Candace is the youngest and one of the youngest housewives we've ever had. I think Candace joined. I think Ashley. I mean, I'm sorry, joined the show at like 25. Or something. Yeah, she was like absurdly young for a housewife. I think she is. I think Ashley Darby continues to be the youngest housewife that we've ever had. Like buzzing around Karen Huger's ear. Like a literal fruit fly, but you know what? Yeah, oh yeah. But you know what really worked about that too in the dynamic is that the other big storyline when Ashley first joined that really worked is that the whole point of Potomac in the beginning of, of, of in the first season, amongst all this like etiquette nonsense, was that Ashley was an outsider who was not in the Potomac society and she was mm-hmm. trying to fit in. And the whole thing was like Karen being a mentor to her, Giselle sort of being a mentor to her, and then turning into an enemy, and then Karen turning into an enemy. And that storyline for me worked. Like it worked oh, yeah. Ashley be the outsider because Ashley, oddly enough, I wouldn't say this now, at, Giselle was the star of season one. Ashley was like the audience. She was our way in. Absolutely. She was our way into a, a, a town that most people had never even heard of. Oh yeah. Having to learn like all of these weird etiquette rules in this town that's like, wait, what? What the fuck is Potomac? Um, but, uh, and we are, I mean, like, we are talking about Ashley and Michael today, and, like, it's fitting because we, the finale just aired, and this has been, not like... not yet, is it? They're going to Cayman Islands next week. Oh, yeah, that wasn't the they're finale. Still, they're still going to Grand Cayman. Fuck. This season's been on for nine months, which I don't mind. I don't mind, but they're all going next week, minus Monique, who's home, because she's very, very, very pregnant. Or yes. was very, very pregnant. Um... But we're talking about Michael and Ashley, who is, like, hands down, like, one of the top four weirdest couples in the history of the show, like, easily. Um, It makes, like, absolutely no sense that they're together. And, you know, I took some notes about Ashley and Michael that I found interesting and I think really plays into, like, who they are as people and, like, who Ashley is, really, more so. Um, In a good or bad way, take it or leave it, you know, do with it it what you will. so Ashley is 29 years younger than Michael. Uh, she met him when she was 18, which is like 
wild to me. I hate that part of the story so much. <laughs> it's like, it really changes everything. Like, it's not like you look at them and think that they're close in age, but like when you hear that he like met her like on the cusp of her like 18th birthday, like it's just like weird. Um, but the really weird thing is that she was the one that like really like pursued him. Like it wasn't even, it wasn't even him. She was the one that was like, she was after her Australian king. Uh, and I, I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe in her 18-year-old mind, she thought, like, he would, like, take care of her. You know what I mean? And that he had money. And I wouldn't say that she was, like, a gold digger, but I definitely feel like there was some sort of, like, you know, the daddy issues jumped out a little bit. They jumped out big time. Um, I think that Ashley... And Ashley has admitted this season on the show as we're learning more and more. And I know this is... I, I think with Ashley, I know that she, this looks like a major pivot so we can all forget about the assault allegations by her being like, I'm going to go see my father now. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know what her planned storyline for the season was. It certainly wasn't the assault allegations. So who knows if this was her planned storyline from the beginning and now she's just trying to pivot. But she did admit to a therapist that she clearly has some daddy issues. Mm-hmm. Um... Not surprising. Um, I think that this also relates to the fact that for three years, we've seen a storyline with her mother where she's like financially taking care of her mom, but mm-hmm. more so Michael is. Right. And it's all, it's very interesting. It's very interesting to see. It, it, I, Ashley's, all, for as weird as her marriage uh, is, and it's very bizarre, I do find watching, I do think watching Ashley and Michael is quite an interesting thing every season. <sighs> It gives me the Simon and Alex fantasy that I've missed for years. I really, it's like they're weird in the way that you just want to watch them do stuff. You want to watch them eat sushi and baby talk and like have weird like set up scenes where like Ashley will sit down at the table in her house and be like, ha, just looking into my fertility stuff. And I will say that, oh God. And the show, I think what's interesting about the way the show edits, and I don't normally say this about Housewives, marriages for the most part. Well, that's not true because. There's always sort of that designated couple that the show will edit. And they'll edit them with the footage they have. Like, the, the storyline will be, like, Our Marriage Sucks. Like, I think the biggest example of, like, Our, our Marriage Sucks storyline is the Shannon David debacle. Like, we're mm-hmm. four years of them being, like, Our Marriage Sucks. I think with Ashley and Michael, I do think even looking at some of the old episodes of Potomac or older is... I don't know the, what the, like, I always kind of figure out, like, what the producers or what the editors think this, like, what they think the couple's like, whether they think they're a strong couple or not. I, they've always sort of played Ashley and Michael as the kind of couple that, like, in my opinion, wouldn't last. Right. And, like, I don't, like, I don't, let's put it this way. Ashley and Michael were never edited favorably together as a couple. They're and a smoke and mirrors couple. They really are. And, by the way, they were rightfully so edited poorly because Michael was groping people's butts in season one of the show. Yeah. Michael was always very strange. So, like, it was a situation where it wasn't that they looked like they had a strong marriage. It always looked like they had a weird marriage. I think their storyline in season two or three was that they were going to get divorced and then didn't. So, yeah. You can always tell when the producers think a couple is, like, lying about who they are. Like, you can always tell when they think that there's, like, more to the story. So then they edit them as a smoke and mirrors couple that, like, nobody believes that anything that that they're selling. And what's so interesting to me about it is that I always found... For, I mean, Ashley's role in the show has been sort of like the younger shitster, but I always found Ashley to be pretty genuine in her personality and her story. So yeah. when I watch her with Michael, it's always so bizarre because as a couple, they are so fake and weird. So but, fake and uncomfortable. And I hate, I, I like watching them because it's fascinating, but I hate them as a couple. 
But Ashley on her own, I, I tend to normally like, and I find her to be usually pretty genuine. I wrote down this really, this uh, interesting quote from Ashley about how she fell in love with Michael. Um, and she said, first of all, she was like working as a like hostess at like a, like a sports bar type restaurant. Um, and he came into the bar and she goes, I was talking to my, my manager in the office when I watched Michael walk in on the security camera. And I said, sweet baby, Cletus, even with a blurry black and white picture, I was hooked. It was love at first sight, y'all. It's real. And like, according to Ashley, she was like, you know, uncomfortable making the first move on him because she thought he was just so beautiful and unattainable. And it was like unimaginable that she could ever like get him. Like, um, like okay. Uh, so she like basically hunted him. Like she gone girled Michael, really, at like 18. Like she... Uh, she applied for a position, a position at his job, and like, what does he do again? I'm sorry to interrupt you. I actually don't remember what he does. Uh, he does like marketing. Okay. So she applied for an internship to learn about marketing through him, so that he would be like her mentor, basically, and he would be forced to like be subject to her flirting, basically. Okay. Um, she said, when I nervously approached him, I couldn't tell him that. Uh, that he should wife me. So I asked him about a marketing internship in a, uh, in a possible position at his company. Um, so they ended up working together for a short period. And then uh, he was still relatively like unaware of the fact that she was just like madly in love with him, uh, allegedly. Mm. And she said, after a few months, I gathered up the courage to ask him out for a real drink. And that's all she wrote. She said, moral of the story, trust your gut and go for what you want. Which is just like, it's not at all what you... It's just not the story that you expect when you look at those two. Absolutely fucking not. It's not the story anyone expects. Um, can you believe that Ashley... Ashley, like I said before, she joined the show and she was like 25. Ashley, I think, is barely 30 years old right now. Yeah. Uh, so we're saying that Ashley was working at a sports bar in Arlington, Virginia, and within maybe a few <laughs> years, she's now suddenly a housewife of Potomac. I know. I will say about Ashley, she's one of the few younger... I think she's one of the only younger house. Only housewives in general, I would say, that is almost meant to be a bachelor contestant. Oh, that's the smartest thing I've ever said. Thank you. Honestly. The bachelor? Beyond. Actually, you know what's so funny? So you know that I'm like a really big brother head. Yeah. And um, I watch the live feeds and on Big Brother, like they always talk about shows that they like would have been like shows that they auditioned for. Like on the live feed, they'll talk about like, you know, like the tried out for the real world and it didn't work out. So then they tried out for Survivor and then the Survivor producer said, we think you'd be better for Big Brother. But almost all of the women and like what I've found is that almost all women of a certain age and a certain body type and race um, audition for The Bachelor. Like almost all women who go out for reality TV start at The Bachelor and then they just sort of get spread out to other shows, like random shows where you would never, like Project Runway, where they're like, oh, you design too? You should do this. And you're like, wait, what? Um, but yeah, like I could totally see her being a fucking, are you kidding me? I oh can. my God, she would be so good on it too. She'd be so good on it. And I want to say that Candace could also be a Bachelor contestant, but I actually don't totally see her there. I really see like out of all the housewives in the entire franchise i see ashley darby be like 
specifically Ashley Darby being a Bachelor contestant. Yeah, because you can picture her saying all that talking head shit about wanting to find love and, you know, wanting to find the right one and, like, being open to the experience and can I talk to you for a second? Can I seal you? I mean, like, you can hear her saying all of, like, the, the Bachelor things. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm really, I can't stop picturing that now. Now I'm going to be like, Ashley, go on the Bachelor. <laughs> and, like, a wet sealed, like, like ball gown that's like covered in cheap rhinestones i think it helps too that she's a pageant girl it's probably what it is too like i as we found out quite a few housewives have been through the pageant ringer before they were ever housewives this includes ashley darby candace kenya moore i'm sure Mm -hmm. i'm sure we've had quite a few pageant girls um so i think that also lends to that like whole they could be a bachelor she could be a bachelor contestant is the whole like i was she was already in a ball gown and doing the pageant shit <laughs> yeah. speaking of pageant shit i also read too that she um and michael actually broke up for a short period because she was so focused on miss america that she couldn't even be in a relationship so she cut things off with him and said like i'll find you again at some point after i win and ended things and then after the she was done with miss america uh, he proposed to her uh, in a helicopter flying over the Hudson River. And then he took her to Tiffany's, where he told her to pick any ring she wanted in the entire store. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, and then they got in, they got uh, married in Australia, like on the beach or something. I don't know. But like, I don't know. Their love story is just so fucking weird, especially in comparison to other housewives, because like, when you look at them, you obviously think, like, yeah, of course, like, she's with him for money. Like, he's creepy and, like, weird and whatever. But then there's this other element of his sexuality. And we have to talk about that. Yep. What do you think about the way that it's, like, been handled this year on the show? It's, like, insane. Um, you know... Pretty horribly. And I think that um, I, I was I said this to you last time we tried to record this and I'll say it again, Candace. I think that Candace specifically, I think that all the women, I think the way sexuality has been handled over the course of the show has been really bizarre. I find that the housewives don't understand what bisexuality is. Agreed. Um, and this, by the way, is, this is like assault allegations or well, assault. This is pushing that stuff aside. This is just talking about bare bones of sexuality. The fact that the women have speculated for years, whether he's gay or not. I mm-hmm. always that Michael was bisexual. I always mm-hmm. assume that Ashley either have an arrangement or don't have an arrangement, but I would assume that Ashley would know his sexuality. Yeah. Um, or at least has questions about it. Ashley, for as, for as much as Ashley is young and can be a shitster, I never thought Ashley was stupid. Um, not at all. I think I think Ashley's actually quite smart and knows exactly what's going on. She's just not telling us. That's why she's uh, such a good shitster. Exactly. I never smart. thought. She was never dumb. Ever, ever, ever. Um, I think that... This whole thing, and I, I and funny, and I think that they've tried this year some of the housewives to be a little bit more open to the idea of bisexuality. And I think that when like Giselle says, um, "I don't care if he likes penis, I care that he's disrespecting Ashley," that's a fair mm-hmm. fine. Sure, yeah, yeah. Cool. it's sort of like I don't. It's sort of like I don't care what your sexuality is, but I do care that you're disrespecting my friend. If there is no arrangement. That's mm-hmm. a better way of saying what they've said prior, which is like, oh, he's gay and essentially saying that's wrong. And saying, like, yeah. I think Candace, I think while the women are being somewhat homophobic and trying to not do it, Candace is like full on homophobic in a way that's like actually really concerning and weird. Like the fact that she's, before the assault allegations, she was saying for the entire season that she thinks her marriage is a fraud and she thinks it's a fraud and a scam because of his sexuality. 
why would you want to have a, she was like, why would you want to have a baby with someone who likes to suck penis, which is egregious to say. I mean, it's just like, it's not only shocking that she would say that as someone who's, I would think, I mean, as, as she would say, she's quite woke. Right. It's also just terrible. I don't understand why the fact, Ash, Michael and Ashley are a very strange couple and Michael seems like a bad, Michael is a bad guy, but his sexuality doesn't really have anything to do with that. The assault of everything. Yeah. His sexuality has nothing to do with why their marriage would be a scam. I brought this up to you last, the last time we recorded. And I said that like, these women remind me of like women in my life in a lot of ways. Like they remind me of women that I like, like my aunts and like my mom's friends and cousins and like women like that I thought were cousins my whole life, but are just like, best friends of people like just like women that I like black women that I like grew up with yep. and it, they remind me of women that I would like sit in like my mom's like beauty shop with when she would go get her hair done and like get her nails done and like listen to them talk about just like things and like it's almost like and they do this in Atlanta too where it's almost like we're not homophobic because we love to like kiki and have fun with gay men and like saunter through a party with a man in heels. Like it's so funny to have like a novelty gay friend, but it's also an insult when I tell you that I think your husband's likes guys too. Yeah. And it's tough. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. And I think what's tough about this, and this goes into a whole conversation about bisexuality and the way it's, and the way that sexuality is portrayed in media. But I think for so many years, I'm openly gay. I'm not bisexual, but I will say is that my opinion of the way bisexuality is portrayed on TV or on film is there's always a sense of um, if someone's bisexual, the way they're usually portrayed is being deceitful, mm-hmm. or just being closeted and actually being gay and just mm-hmm. it. Um, and there is sort of that attitude that's taken. And even amongst housewife shows, we've had a few openly, but Ashley's openly bisexual. Yeah. Ashley, Ashley said she had a relationship with a woman that doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, Brandy. Brandy, I think even like even this year on New York, Barbara, who I liked watching on this year's New York season, a lot of people did not. I thought her bisexuality, her bisexuality was used against her, and they wouldn't. And for a show that I thought would be quite progressive with progressive New York women, they were making fun of Barbara for her bisexuality in a way that was like very much seemed biphobic. Yeah. Oh, beyond it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable that like they were so blown away by the idea that this woman could have had relationships with women before in the past. Like, it was wild. Yeah, and I think with Ashley, it's a, she gets a weird rap on Potomac because she's the youngest one. She admitted to being bisexual season one. She came out. I think that there's, rather than anyone taking that any, like, seriously amongst, like, like, like Karen, I'm strictly dickly. Like, that's fine, but I think... Good the, for you. The way it turned out on the show was that Ashley was the young... Um, sexually free, liberated one, and, like, Karen was the more older, reserved one. I mean, it's, it's sort of like that... Age shouldn't be a part of that conversation. And I think rather than actually having a real discussion about like bisexuality and just like sexuality in general, it came off the way the show played it out as sort of like, oh, it just plays into their characters. Ashley's free and liberal and wild and crazy. And mm-hmm. Karen is conservative and, and can only be with Ray. And it's just, I think that sort of dynamic has always been on the housewives. Um, but it's tough when we see situations like this where the women are not acknowledging really that bisexuality exists or that Michael could be bisexual, but rather he's a closeted gay man who... Right. It's tough because it's 
it's not, not only are they using that to say that, like, for example, someone like Candace saying that her marriage is a scam, it also gets used, it, it gets used against Michael, but it also gets used against Ashley being like, oh, essentially calling her a gold digger. Yeah, absolutely. And that like their relationship is this fake thing that like she knows is fake and she's covering up for him. It's like, like the whole thing is just so un, it's like unbelievable to me that for this long, for however many months they filmed that they thought it was okay to like have these conversations in the way that they were doing it, like mocking her and like talking about him wanting to suck a penis and like being like, well, my husband's not the one that wants a penis in his mouth and like all this shit. It's like, especially for some, from somebody like Giselle, who's like ex preacher husband was literally known as like one of those cliche stereotypical preachers that would just fuck every woman in his church and like was ciphering money from people and going on vacations and buying fucking boats and shit with people with money that old women were donating to a church. Like, and you have the nerve to be, but like, and then there's the other side of it that you and I did mention before that Ashley has taken true sublime joy in tearing down these women's relationships and exposing their secrets and making them look stupid. And like, if any of them say anything to her in confidence about their husband, she brings it up to make them look bad. And, you know, I think that it's a lot more of that coming out, but it's like coming out in like this nasty homophobic way where they're just happy that Ashley's like getting hers. It's definitely a weird combination of, of Ashley, of them feeling like Ashley's getting her comeuppance. I think that it's also coming from a weird place. I always thought that I think one of the interesting dynamics on Potomac is that I think that Candace specifically is very oddly jealous of Ashley, despite yeah. the proving of her life. She's very clearly, and Candace like is the least self-aware person on the show. Um, in my opinion, or one of the least self-aware, because we also have Karen, who's not very self-aware, but um, but I love Karen. But yeah, she's very jealous of Ashley in a way that's very strange. Um, yeah, and I think that you're. I, I think even when the um, I think Ashley is very much a shitster, and she always has been, and she does get the sort of joy and sort of bringing up people's secrets. I think that in some ways it was almost fun to watch, and in other ways it was dark. Like I think one of the more fun ways that Ashley was trying to stir in the pot was. Like, I think it was always kind of fun watching her and Karen go at it. Uh, and she was yeah. like, Ray's penis is old and dry. Like, to me, that was funny. Yeah. I think, I think where it got dark, and it's not even the answer people would think it is, because when it comes to the whole, like, Monique stuff from last year, I don't really, I actually didn't think Ashley was really stirring the pot that much. Monique, I'm sorry to say, you were drinking and driving. Like, it just, oh, yeah. Like, even if you weren't drunk, whatever, you were drinking and driving, you got into a car accident. Like, Ashley, you can say what Monique can say whatever she wants. Like, she was drunk, she was, sorry, drinking and driving. Yeah, and I think Ashley didn't have to say it. She didn't have to bring it up on the show, but I don't think she was sort of lying. I think what was really bad of Ashley to do back in season one, and this is where it gets like sort of the dark. Ashley was talking about Robin's finances. Yeah, Her, the finances and the and their weird relationship and marriage or whatever. It's like she has kids. Bad. You know what I mean? Like whatever they're trying to do. Uh, not that I enjoyed watching a single moment of it. I'm like the most anti-Robin. Like, I am like, get this woman off this television show, this monotone Eeyore. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so... I don't understand. I cannot understand how Robin is a housewife. I don't get it. I don't don't get it at all. How she survived four seasons of this show, I don't even know. But what I will say is that Ashley... Not Ashley. Robin showing up to her own open house in that blazer um, look with her 
ShopRite cupcakes. And I love a ShopRite cupcake. But did you see her at one point, like, going up to that woman being like, I hope no one's upset by the tension here. And she, like, pulls out the ShopRite cupcakes to serve them. As I'm just cool. like... The house like, was great, by the way. I'll give her that. Yeah. I mean, like, I will say that I think this has been, like, her best season. She seems to finally have, like, you know, found some sort of, like... Because before, Robin was always, aside from her storyline with Juan, she was always just, like, a side character. Like, she was in Giselle's sidecar. Yeah, and Robin... You know what I mean? I will say Robin, unfortunately, oddly enough, for someone who's so boring, um, got such a raw deal from doing the show. Um, Obviously, the stuff about her finances came out, which was a really tragic story about her and Juan's, like, best friend who stole money from him and then... Right himself but we saw robin live in that big house in season one in potomac or wherever she was living in that area and then by season two she was moving to a townhouse because she lost all of her money like she just had a raw deal on this show yeah um and rather than not and rather than her stepping back or production saying we don't need you for season two you can be a friend or a guest they we just like followed that story i think robin's story is frustrating because we followed the same thing for four years whether her yeah were it never felt like she was really willing to be very much of a, like very much a housewife. And this is a show with big personalities. So Robin being the very obvious sort of like more low key person, it's, it's, it, for whatever reason, it works better this year than it has before, before mm-hmm. frustrating this year, it's better. Yeah. I mean, this year she seems to be embracing being a housewife, I think more than any other season. I agree. Like, and it's probably because she's happy. Like she's happy in a relationship. She's like a, career path or whatever like she has something to show for being a housewife where in the other cities or the other seasons it was just like her her presence on the show was like just doom and gloom you know it was doom and gloom but looking stunning that was all it really was. yeah lit- honestly it really was i will say monique almost choking out with an umbrella was a highlight for robin's <laughs> yeah, i know <laughs> for that, i think monique for that moment well you know what they say you uh, you never uh go after somebody with nothing to lose monique's like favorite line from last year she has nothing to lose nothing to lose yeah monique um yeah interesting stuff with her love her this is such a good fucking cast i want to say very quickly about monique and not even just about her i just want to say that she's the only one living in potomac that's all i have to say about monique i just i also just want to say about monique that she is literally pregnancy has given her this no fucks like i mean like i can't even put into words how much i adore her i i wish that she was on every city that i watch i live for her i live for her just like backing up everything she says and being honest in your face about how she feels and when they confront her about stuff she literally holds her belly and like 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 belly laughs yeah, at the idea that they think they're about to come for her like she like laughs in their faces and just reads them when Candace confronts her about whether she showed Ashley the text messages that they sent between each other, I just love how I was assuming Monique's going to be like, no, I didn't. Instead, she goes, yeah, I sure did. And it was yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. She's like, oh, she's everything. I love her so much. And I, I love, love that. Her. Like, I love her husband. I love. Oh, obsessed. People. I'm obsessed with fucking Andre the Giant. They're the best. They're, they're the ideal couple on the show. They're like, when I, you know how I said before that Ashley and Michael are always edited really poorly as a couple? Yeah. Michael, and not Michael, Chris and, and Monique get like the, they're the couple that the show is designated as this very strong couple. Yeah. So they'll always get a good edit for being a good couple. And I love that. They should. They're a great couple. Yeah. They're the best. And like, she just seems to have really like come into her own too. Like she just, 
is so comfortable being a housewife and she just doesn't give a shit and she only shows up places to eat. I'm like, girl, I, love I, love I relate. Like, I relate. Like, she's not, she doesn't show up anywhere to like fight or whatever. She literally shows up to eat and watch people fight and then maybe get involved a little bit. I agree. I want to ask you too, what do you think about Giselle's role this season as sort of the, um, she's always been sort of a shit stirrer as well, but she seems not so in the drama this year. I, I'm speaking too soon because we saw next week's promo where she's literally fighting with Karen at the Grand Cayman Hotel lobby. But I will say that this past year, she's been commenting a lot and I love it. I know I even like, I've always loved Giselle, but I feel like people who didn't love Giselle, I feel like would like her this year. The thing that I've always loved about Giselle is that aside from, first of all, if anybody, anybody who's funny, even if they're doing terrible things, I'm going to end up like, like, you know what I mean? She's funny. She's naturally funny. She's quick. I love her, uh, her talking heads. I love the way she speaks. I like the way that every single time she says a syllable, she ends it like this and points at the words that she's ending. Like, I just don't understand her at all, but I live for her. Um, But I... The thing that I've always loved about her, aside from the fact that I think she's funny, is that she is unapologetically messy. Like, she's messy and doesn't pretend not to be. Whereas some housewives are messy and then they pretend that they're not being. Giselle is just messy. Like, her showing up to Robin's house and literally as she's in the doorway walking in the house, she's screaming at Monique because she only came to fight. Like, I love that about her. She just, she doesn't pretend to not be uh, a, a shitster. I will say this. Most of the Potomac women this year have been pretty much owning up if they've been shit. So, like, I got, like, Giselle had that really funny moment where, like, a producer asked her if she's being shady and she, like, admits it and starts laughing. Mm-hmm. At one point, Ashley admitted to being a shitster. She said that she was talking about someone else being a shitster and then she was like, that's something I would normally do. Like, stir the pot. Yeah. She admitted it in a way that I really loved. I really thought it was great watching her watching every, like most of this cast sort of own up to it a little bit, a little bit more. And they were always, yeah. on, but it's, it's fun. Cause this is, it's what, like we said before, it just feels so refreshing and it's, um, I, yeah, I just like watching this cast kind of openly be messy or just like sticking to their convictions really well. And just, I don't know, except for Candace. I, I love how I hate Candace so much, but Candace is not. Doing oh, anything who doesn't? I mean, who doesn't? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's what makes her stick out like a story thumb besides five checks, good child is that she actually owns up to nothing. Yeah. She's the worst. She's has a completely like delusional uh, perception of everything that takes place. True. Every interaction she has is filtered through some like crazy funhouse mirror and comes out on the other side. And you're like, what are you like? What did you just see happen? Um, but I also think too. I I did want to mention this to you that I think like, you know, there's obviously a financial element to every housewife city. Yeah. You know, there's like a a. Like their own little, there's like a little financial world that happens in each city and like the way that they spend money and the way that they show off how much money they have is like different in each, you know, each city. And like, um, I read this article recently, I think I sent it to you about Atlanta being the recession city that like Atlanta premiered during, uh, the peak of the recession and, um, the women were like really desperate to sort of keep up with the Joneses in a way that felt like white knuckling it. Like, you know, Chateau Charest and Kim, like with Papa and just everybody trying really desperately to like, just show that they have money. I promise you I'm rich. Look at me. And Potomac is interesting in the sense that they do have that same sort of like new money attitude where like, 
it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, like Karen's house. And it's a lot of like, you know what I mean? Like mostly with Karen. Mostly with Karen. You know, but the financial element of Potomac has always been really fascinating to me. I agree. It's, it's, um, yeah, it makes me feel, it, it feels really nice when we have a house in city that doesn't rely on being affluent or like, being, yeah, I think that's what's tough about Beverly Hills is that it relies so hard on being a lifestyle show. Mm-hmm. And the Potomac is that it's not a lifestyle show. And to be fair, most of the cities are not anymore. So like Jersey's not, Atlanta's not, Dallas is not. Like, and I say that saying there is money in all those cities. A lot of those women have money. Yeah. But it rely on being lifestyle porn in a way that, yes. in a way that they, in a way that I think Bravo really wants us to believe it does. Like, I think that's why it's like with Beverly Hills, you're like, it's a lifestyle show. It's like, that's great. But none of these shows are lifestyle shows. That's the, that's not the point of Housewives. No. But Potomac is always interesting. Like I said before, like these women don't really live in Potomac except for Monique. So it's interesting to see them in different areas. And we see Robin's financial struggles. We see Karen's tax issues. Um, Ashley's finances are bizarre. We know that they're rich. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say about that. And they live in their high rise. But like seeing Candace, like seeing her mom, like pay for part of the mortgage all very it's the the financial aspect of that show is very very interesting to me yeah they seem this year to like i think that one of the reasons this year that they all seem so comfortable is because i mean not only are they just more comfortable like sort of being themselves on camera but like i think that like they've exposed their lives and the public knows what they have and don't have now and they're just like being themselves whereas before like they were all sort of desperate to come off a certain way and there's probably a lot of pressure from you know them looking at like other housewife cities and seeing cities like beverly hills where they're like test driving maseratis and shit for no reason you know like it, i'm sure there was like a lot of pressure to like feel the need to keep up literally to the point that karen bought a empty palace and never lived in it and i don't i'm i still am not clear on what was going on with that but like really i don't know just gotta say what'd you say Barely any furniture in that house. Sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I really honestly feel like if you walked around her whole house, most of it is just completely empty, except yeah. for the rooms that they film in. Yes, that's true. That is really true. I think um, I actually remember back in season one when Giselle, one of the first things she said, it was also in, like the trailer for the show, is that, uh, I don't know why I remember this. My brain's remembering really dumb things. Giselle said... In Potomac, the only way you can get in is pedigree or large cash flow. Mm-hmm. The idea was that these women were supposed to be super rich, but it was really weird because, like, it was weird because there was still not a lot of like, like for even though Giselle said that the show still wasn't presenting it as like grand, like crazy community. It was like Giselle was still living in a rental house in Bethesda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Karen was living in her Potomac house, and so was Sharice. God bless, rest in peace, Sharice. Um, she was living in a big Potomac house, but other than that, like Ashley was still in the apartment she's in now, which is a nice high rise, but not in Potomac. Um, we had Katie living in a townhouse. Can we talk for a second about Katie? Yes. How the fuck have we gone this? We haven't even mentioned her name. What? The Katie erasure. Hashtag the Katie factor. Oh my God. Hashtag the Katie factor. First of all, I don't even know what, I don't even know where to begin. I am so fascinated with Katie by Katie. Oh my God. I don't understand any of it. I think that I, I feel like in my mind, I have some of it figured out. And then there's parts of it where I'm like, I don't know. What is your opinion on like the evolution of Katie? 
Um, well, Katie, okay, so I remember, so I love Katie this year. I love Katie. I love her presence on the show. It's such a weird presence on the show. It doesn't make any sense, but mm-hmm. I love her. Season one, I didn't like her at all. I remember finding her quite irritating. Mm-hmm. Um, how Katie went to be from a ball and gala girl, she called herself, to now what we're seeing with Katie this year, I feel bad because there's definitely a dark story behind that. Um, very dark. I think that, so we saw Katie in season one with her, at the time, fiance, Andrew. She was already divorced. She had her three babies. We knew that there was, the, that we knew that the father did not really seem to be in the picture of those kids. She didn't really mention the father. Mm-hmm. We after her tenure, her brief tenure on the show is that um, she was going through a major custody battle. She claims that he abused her and yeah. it was darker than we all thought it was or all expected it to be. Um, and I just think, I don't really know what shifted in Katie's mind. We've heard from like Giselle and a couple of the people that since season one or like even during season one, Katie was a little bit, didn't seem mentally well, really. Like mm-hmm. I, and I, and I say that light, I say that pretty delicately that something seemed a little bit off about Katie emotionally, but they weren't really mentioning it. And, and I think Giselle, unfortunately sort of almost used that against her, like at the reunion while, act- while not actually getting to the point. Yeah. I think whatever whatever was in Katie that first season that we were that the veneer was hiding, we're just like seeing it this year, and we're seeing it more so on social media, actually. Okay, so like I want to run my Katie theory by you. I've like thought about it since the last time we recorded, and I, I feel like I've worked it out a little bit better than because I like didn't really. I, I don't think I was able to like really verbalize it before the way that I like wanted to. Okay, so like, <laughs> so obviously, you and I talked earlier about there being this sort of like race element to Potomac, unlike any other city. Yes. Like, it's completely different than, like, Kim Zolciak being, like, the, the southern white woman on Atlanta. Like, there's, like, there is a... The foundation of this show was built on, like, identity issues. Yeah. And all of these women, how they identify as biracial women. And I think that Katie... In the first season, what I perceived her as when I saw her was like this girl who like doesn't really know who she is and doesn't have like a clear idea of like what she wants to present to the world and was just sort of like falling into these like characters. Like there was like Gala Katie who was like this like Swan Lake princess that would like show up in these like beautiful gowns. She was a model. She was so put together and like princessy and like, I mean like to the point that in her like talking heads, like in her interviews, she would like lay on like a lounge. You know what I mean? Like she was just so like, um, she was like acting. Like it was almost like she was like putting on this character that has like worked for her in life. You know what I mean? Like a character that I feel like she's used to attract men and to like, I don't know, just to kind of like ease her way through life. And we saw this weird like moment then in the first season where she sort of like broke the veneer and she like basically tongue fucked her husband um, in front of like a group of like in front of the girls in the whole season. She'd been this very like prim proper girl that shows up to the opening of an envelope in Potomac. But then all of a sudden she was like being finger banged at a, at a, like a, like a party and, like, doing it on camera on purpose, like, it was like, oh, Katie's got, like, a little, oh, there's something there. 
But it was to the point where they asked her, I remember they asked her if she was on drugs. Not even if she was drunk, but if she was like on drugs. Yeah. It was weird. It was a little strung out that night. It was fucking weird. She did seem strung out that night. And it was like our first introduction to like this other side of Katie. And I feel... No, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say was, it also reminds me too of like when, I said this in the last time I recorded, is that when they were going to Bethany, like weird thing about Katie is that Katie was like, for women, for all these women who were like not well-known before the show, Katie might've been the most well-known and she was, yeah. she was a working model. She was more so well-known as the ex-girlfriend of Russell Simmons. Mm-hmm. Wait, did I, not Richard Simmons. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> last time we recorded, I said Richard Simmons. <laughs> I realized what I said and I was like, ah, never mind. Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> She dated Russell Simmons and she said that she wrote this like blog post after he dumped her and Giselle like pulls it out like in the middle of their car ride thinking it'd be kind of funny because she it was a few years ago and she thought that she thought that Katie was sort of over it. So she thought that she can like play it up for laughs. Katie got very emotional and had to pull the car over and like get out. Like there's some darkness happening there. And like I don't know, this season I feel like we're seeing her back on the show sort of like trying to reintroduce herself as like a new version of herself that's more authentic to who she is but like i think that she has such a loose grip on who she is yeah that it looks crazy it looks insane and i will say that this past so when they so we knew that katie was coming back to the show because i don't really follow katie on social media but i do stalk her instagram quite a bit because it's very fascinating hashtag the katie factor it's a smart thing to do it's a very yeah thank you and if whoever's not doing it should be doing it because what yeah. i think is that before before the show was announced uh for this season they started filming like september or whatever and katie announced like very prematurely that she would be returning <laughs> so yeah so we knew that Katie was filming. Like she saw that she she had pictures of the candy, candy with Candace, um, with like Robin. She had pictures of all the girls, and so she admitted that she was filming the show. And then things got weird and dark. Like a few months before filming, um, a few months before the show premiered, there was a photo of Katie where she's laying on the floor with blood, like bare naked with blood everywhere, and next to a toilet. And a few weeks prior to that or even a couple months she announced prior that she was pregnant and so and that must have been while she's filming the show she's probably pregnant while we're like for the point of the show that we're watching she's probably pregnant um but in real life she was pregnant and she was she had that picture on the floor saying she had a really bad miscarriage and then the photo and all the women like all the cast like monique posted like candace posted like robin posted like all asking her if she was okay and to please contact them um, nobody knew what was going on. Later, it, Katie said that the, after the photo was taken down, she said that her boyfriend at the time, Jacob, posted the photo and I think blamed her for the miscarriage. I'm not really sure why. That was such a dark moment for her. And then right after that, the, the show started airing. And since that happened, she broke up with Jacob and is now engaged to somebody else in California. See, I, I feel like there's some some gone girl shit happening with Katie. I really do. Like, I was like joking when I said that about Ashley, but with Katie, I really feel it. I re- like, I feel like if you like pulled a suitcase from under her bed, it would be full of identities. Like, it would just be full of wigs and masks and prosthetic noses and trench coats. Uh, I just feel like there's a lot. Of, uh, there's a lot of weird shit going on with her, and I think that that's like what Monique was trying to say when she like. <laughs> said like because she was like namaste what did she say what did she namaste Kate looks like uh like I get it I, I I get what she was like trying to say that like she's like presenting herself in all these like different ways that seem performative 
I agree. Oh God, you know what was really concerning too? I'm just thinking about this. Before the miscarriage photo came up, one of the reasons why people were like, is Katie okay? Is because Katie posted a photo with her and her kids that we've seen on the show begging to get custody of those kids back. Yeah. Oh my God. But the abusive ex took her kids away. Like, I'm sorry. Like when, you know, people say this all the time and they used to say it all the time about Britney. Like when women in the public eye get their kids taken away, like for the court to like take a woman's children, usually something has to be like pretty intense going on at home. You know what I mean? Cause they, the court will like fight to make sure that like the woman keeps her kids typically. Yeah. And like, I, do you remember like, do you remember that reunion season one where Giselle like was calling out Katie for like, she was like in more ways than one saying that Katie was like, basically off her rocker. And then she started saying like weird stories. So she brought up the whole thing with the whole making out thing. At one point she told a story about how Katie peed on the couch during their promotion. Yeah. That she peed while she was sitting on the couch. Oh dear God. Like just fucking that shit. Like, like weirdness. I don't know. I mean like I'm, and then you told me she's not coming to the reunion this year, right? She's like not going to be there. So what happened was, so there was this whole post. So basically like we found out with, um, with the Michael stuff. So what Bravo did, I, I, also I need your opinion on what, of what they did, by the way. We'll talk about that after. But I, but what, what Bravo did was, Bravo for a few episodes was like, oh, the women talked about the charges. And then a couple weeks ago, they say in an interview, they're like, uh, Candace was like, oh, is there any footage? And Bravo cuts what we've not seen before, which is called unseen production footage, where it cuts back to the cameraman's footage that he was filming while Michael goes up to him presumably gropes his butt and says like, Hey, how are you? And the cameraman goes, don't do that. Don't do that. And he's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, Sorry. And like walks away. And then we see another clip of Michael saying like, I didn't grope your butt. And you hear a guy talking to him. So Monique says, why did they cut? Why did they show footage of my cousin Hank talking to Michael and presumably presenting it as a, as if he was the cameraman, I guess. Yeah. So Katie took that and ran with it and said basically that like, if there, if production is lying about, um, about Michael assaulting the cameraman or like presenting footage that's false, that someone should be fired. And this led to, uh, to Katie getting a call from production saying she was no longer going to be invited to the reunion, which they are shooting as we are speak. Katie is not there. Like that shit pisses me off so much. It annoys me so much. And I could go on about like my feelings towards Andy Cohen in 2019 in comparison to how I used to feel about him. But like it annoys me beyond what I could ever express when that fucking network punishes these women for like being bad girls basically. And like speaking out in any way, not even against Bravo, but just like having an adverse uh, opinion about something or like, you know, pulling the curtain back on like all this shit that Bravo wants to hide from the public. Like it's, so fucking annoying like she should be allowed to go to that reunion and express her thoughts on this crazy thing that's happened and i understand that there's like legalities involved or whatever but like she was there and she was involved in it and she was filming while this sexual assault thing took place like she should be there she should be there and i will say that the cast members of the show have been advocating for her to be there um i specifically candace monique has said and robin have said that she should be at the reunion it's not right that she's not there um, it's strange. I, I think that when Bravo brought her back on, a production company brought her back on for a friend of, they didn't realize exactly what kind of Katie they were getting. Yeah. But I think that she still has every right to be there. I'm annoyed that she's not. And I want to ask you as well, what do you think about 
this possible idea, because some people were kind of confused at the idea of whether production, the production company kept this footage from authorities or like kept this footage hidden to only present it on a television show afterwards, the footage of the cameraman presumably getting groped by Michael. My assumption, and I could be totally wrong, so please someone correct me if I am. My assumptions that basically my assumption that if the case was still pending, they probably wouldn't be able to show it. I assume that the footage we saw on TV was probably the I assume the footage that they probably were presented in the court. Because it was what we saw was raw footage. They showed us like raw footage, it shows literally the time, like everything. Very clearly raw footage. Um, I wanna I, I wanna assume that they probably presented it, and then when the court dropped the charges anyway they were free to then air it on the show. I could be wrong. I don't know. No, I, I, I agree with that. I do. I agree with that. Like, yeah, probably when it was dropped, it was like, okay, well then we can show this. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And you know, it's not going to be reopened based on us showing what happened. Yeah. And I will say that after Monique basically said like, why is Hank, like, why is his voice in this video? Ashley Michael ran with that and gave a statement to People Magazine saying that the footage was false. And uh, Ashley's going out there saying that that the footage actually like makes them look better. That like <laughs> like Ashley's like now twisted this to make that to make it seem like this footage actually vindicates them. When to me this footage makes it look very clearly like Michael groped this guy and then apologized for it when he was called out for it. I mean. Yeah. That's what it came off as to me. It came off as that he grew up this guy. The guy said, please don't do that. Because if Michael didn't do it, he would say, what do you mean? Or like... Right. Instead, Michael was like, oh, sorry, and like walked away. He squirmed away. Um, but Ashley Michael claimed that the footage essentially... They're essentially claiming it's doctored. That like it's edited to make him look poorly by putting in the footage of him saying to guess Hank or whoever, like, I didn't touch his butt or something. Like they sort of ran with it and said like, actually production company manipulated this footage, which is a dangerous path to go on. Um, but that's the yeah. that'll get you banned from Bravo for the rest of your life. I would think so. Yeah, like that's like that's like some Adrian Malouf shit that's gonna get you. I mean, like erased from the memories of every fucking Bravo person ever. And like, but I agree with you. It's like in the footage, you see him touch his butt, and then he apologizes for doing it, and like squirms through the party to get away. And the guy says like, "That's not cool. Don't do that." And like, he literally says, "Okay, I'm sorry. I won't." You know, like, why would he apologize? What's doctored about that? You know what I mean? No, because Michael admitted there was contact, as he's going to have said. Um, Michael admitted yeah. that Michael pre- presents a story that is basically that he accidentally touched him in a very crowded space. What we did see in the footage was that there was no crowd around him. Michael walking no. past him, said hi to him specifically. Nobody was near him. Got right up to the butt, touched it, walked away. Like, that's what we saw. Um, and in then- the exact same way that he's done it to a bunch of other people on TV. There's footage of him doing it to Katie's ex-boyfriend, Andrew, and it was twisted to be that sort of like, oh, it's a joke, and that's what he does. Like, I don't know. It, it was always inappropriate. Um, and I, for as smart as Ashley is, she's now twisting this thing to make it seem like, like she's going as far to say that the charges are dropped, which means that he's innocent, which we all know is not quite the way that works all the time in a perfect world if the charges were dropped yeah it means you're innocent but that's not what that means like we know that that's not what that means we know that it doesn't always turn out that way right now the women are saying that that because because i would think it's kind of stupid if they were like oh charges are dropped he must be innocent like uh like and now she's trying to like fool us with that and i'm sure she's fooling some part of the country with that nonsense but not me I agree. And like, I will say my immediate thought when this was all happening was like, not even when this was happening, but just like the continuous, um, 
like sexual deviancy of Michael is like they film this show for like a certain amount of time per year, per day, whatever. And it's like, if you are such a sexual deviant and so like sexually, I don't know, repressed or whatever is going on with you that like, while you're literally filming a show that requires you to be microphoned and filmed, you can't help yourself but to squeeze the ass of, of every guy you walk near. Like, you're that, like, just, like, rabid to touch. You know what I mean? Like, you're literally, like, that makes me wonder, like, what you do off camera. If on camera you can't even bear to walk past a guy at a bar and not squeeze his butt. I agree. You filmed. I agree. And I think that, and Ashley and Michael have done the show for now four years. They, right. And they also know exactly what the women have said about them. He, they know exactly what the audience has said about them. I think that Michael has this really weird thrill uh, in, in terms of like this dangerous situation. Of I think so too. They get away with this. That's the only explanation I have. I don't have any other yeah. for it. There's, I don't know what else could explain why he would do that on camera to a cameraman. One, because it's bad to do in the first place, but two, because he knows that the women could possibly know about it. He knows the audience could possibly know about it. He knows he may not be able to get away with it. And it's still happening. And that's the only explanation I have. Because other than that, because we even saw, like, besides the whole groping Andrews, but there was that very short storyline where, like, people tried to show that, like, someone tried to point out that Michael was on Grinder with this, like, headless photo of Michael with his mm-hmm. It didn't look like Michael to me. I don't know if Michael's on Grinder. Again, I don't really care. Yeah. But that, was, like, that was also part of the storyline where, like, they were like, oh, is he gay? Like, the storyline's been going on for years. So, if, if, so I don't know why he would go grope a cameraman's butt for for any reason at all but also because like it could so easily turn against him as we saw that it did i think you're right i think that michael is if i had to like bet money like put my hand on a bible i think that michael is turned on by the idea that like he could grope some guy's ass and it ends with like a blowjob in a bathroom like i think that he's turned on by like the like danger of it you know what I mean? Like the sort of like seediness of it, I think is like the thing because there would literally be no reason. Like there's literally no reason to do that on camera. No. Aside from the fact that you just kind of get off on almost being caught. That's what, that's the only assumption I have. That's literally the only assumption I have. And I, and it's funny cause it feels, um, <laughs> it's very clear that the production does not like him. Um, Especially when they like, because the whole thing was that he was like suspended from filming the show for a couple weeks. Um, in in Potomac time, when we see it on the show, it means like maybe one or two episodes he wasn't there, like one episode he wasn't there. Yeah, he returns at Juan's surprise birthday party with like horror horror movie music. I know. Uh, 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 they hate him so much, as they fucking should. But like, it just makes me laugh because it makes me it just makes me wonder what's going to happen with Ashley and Michael. For this season um because the other weird thing is that they had a, they had the baby that they wanted yeah they did have the baby and i also think it's worth mentioning too that like it's i think robin's take on it is very interesting because michael is so clearly in love with juan as we all are oh, um and like the show exploits his love of him in a way that's like trolling yeah. Like they, they constantly show them having awkward interactions and him saying weird stuff like um like Won't's well, my my favorite brother. It's like, uh, like what do you mean? Uh? And like 
talking about how Juan's like a down bloke. It's like, ugh, like he's obsessed with him. And Juan like knows. Juan, by the way, I would say Juan. I call them Juan. That's <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a real down bloke, my favorite brother. Um, but he like, Juan like knows. And Robin also knows that Michael's like in love with her, like husband, whatever he is. Like, it's weird. It's fucking crazy. It's like it was such a weird dynamic. It's the weirdest dynamic because Robin's at this point pretty close friends with Ashley. Yeah. And like Ashley also knows that Michael's in love with Juan. She has to know. I'm going to stand by this till the day I die. Ashley's not a stupid woman, even though Katie Ross said she was stupid. I mean, hashtag the Katie factor. Yeah. Not dumb. Ashley knows. I think that Ashley is fully aware of Michael's sexuality. I think she knows that Michael's fluid. I think she knew before they even like when they started dating that he was fluid and that he'd probably been with men and i don't think it bothers her and i think that she can't be open about it in a in a group of women like this because they wouldn't understand it so she feels like she'd be judged and lies about it and to be fair to ashley they're not fair about it because no it's a scam two it's it's michael's sexuality not hers so she so right. as comfortable as she could feel about going to out him he may feel very uncomfortable being out of the closet on the show. I mean, yeah, that's also the loaded thing about this is that Ashley's also on a national television show, and mm-hmm. I feel very and Michael might feel very uncomfortable with his sexuality being out there on the show. I mean, I mean, I mean, he's, besides the assault stuff, which is bad, even if that didn't happen, let's say and Michael and Michael, they just assume that he was gay or bisexual. He might, he just might feel very uncomfortable being out, and it's not like these women are very welcoming towards it as much as they think they are, but. Yeah, I don't. Blame, I, I don't blame Ashley for not being like more transparent about Michael's sexuality or their arrangement. It's also none of their business. Sorry. It's also just none of their fucking business. Like I'll say this until I'm blue in the face. Like it was none of the world's business that Giselle's husband was literally having sex with all these like church women and like pretending to be this like conservative, like evangelical Christian. And he's like having fucking orgies in his church. Like that is also nobody's business. And Giselle doesn't like when people talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, cause it literally is nobody's business. Like who gives a shit? And like, I don't know. I just get very strong, very strong Silex vibes. Like I, I get very strong Simon Van Kempen vibes where it's like, they cannot handle Michael's Europeanness. You know what I mean? Like they just can't like, and he is a creep and a half, and I would never want to be locked in a room with Michael. Um, and I do think that he has some sort of, like, I think that he's a sexual deviant. I do. I think that he... I'm surprised that Michael's never been arrested for some sort of public in, uh, indecency, yeah. uh, f- you know, for tapping his foot under... As I always say, tapping his foot under the stall of a, a, a airport bathroom to the wrong person or, like, giving a blowjob at a truck stop. Like, Michael gives me those vibes... You know just, what he gives me? I'm going to interrupt you for a sec, and I hate to say it because it's bad, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm surprised he wasn't fooling around with kids. Ashley, are you kidding? I mean, come on. Like, he is... He. I would never leave my kid in a room with Michael alone for many reasons. Oh, my God. Imagine leaving a teenager in there. Oh, Ashley creepy. was. Ashley was a kid. Yeah. He's fucking creepy. Like, I'm sorry. He's just is creepy and it's nothing to do with like editing. He it's like, there's some weird veneer that they are trying to present that they're just this normal hunky dory couple. And it's just not the case. And I don't know, but uh, you know, it is still a fairy tale off the wall because they did have their 
baby that they were so desperate to have for the entire season. Uh, they actually, um, she gave birth in July. So they just had the baby and they are more bonded and connected than ever. The allegations have been dropped uh, and they seem to, I mean, like nothing will break them. Can I please quickly read to you the tweet that did when when Ash when uh, Katie and, and Candace were talking shit about her? Because the Potomac women are always on social media, but Ashley's been kind of staying off because of the baby. Yeah. One of the best tweets I've ever seen in my life. I have to give Ashley this credit. Um, if you don't follow her on Twitter, she is on Twitter at Ashley Ashley Darby. Oh, sorry, underscore Ashley Darby. Mm-hmm. She tweeted back on July 17th of this year. Hello, my friends. This motherhood journey has been the best, is the best feeling in the entire world. Heart eye emoji. I have stepped out of my peace bubble to say that I will spare no one at this reunion. Mail order cooch Katie and hamster face Candace will hear what I have to say then. Hashtag Real Housewives of Potomac. That's point order cooch to be there. <laughs> oh my god, I'm obsessed. Oh, my home phone's ringing. Oh. It's 1994 in my house. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love when this happens while I'm recording because it's like a reminder that I have a home phone. Like when it happens when I'm like alone, I'm like, oh, my house phone's ringing. And I live by myself, by the way. I'm a 31-year-old that lives alone. I love that you have a home phone. Do you use it a lot? No, my job requires me to have like a home phone line for like emergencies. Okay. Um, so like I have to have it and I like plug the phone into it. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes, I mean, I have had to use it in weird cases like where my phone is dead and I'm like, fuck, I can't call so-and-so. Like, I, I talk to my best friend Katie on the phone for, like, hours a day. And uh, I'll be like, fuck, I can't call her because my phone's dead. And I'll be like, oh, my God, I have a house phone. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm glad you have it then. It, seems, it proves useful. <laughs> yeah, it, like, makes calls or whatever. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> well, do you have any, like, closing thoughts or feelings about Potomac before we end this episode? I do. Okay, so... Okay, a couple of thoughts. I have okay. a couple of questions for you. Okay, love. Awesome to you. Okay, first of all, fun question. Thoughts on the taglines? I said ask. Yeah, you know, Potomac's taglines are always a bit rough for me. Rough. They're a little try hard. Um, they're a little like cringy. Uh, and like, I don't know, their opening in general just always gives me a little bit of a goosebump moment. Like, Ashley wearing that dress to slit up to her vagina, and like, <laughs> her leg literally as far out as it will go, so you can like see it. It's just like, they're cringy. What about you? They also read them in a bad way. I will, I think the ultimate best tagline of Potomac, and it, and it really shouldn't be because it's not the best, it's not the best one, but I think the best one of that show is probably Giselle's first season, Word on the Street is I'm the Word on the Street. Yeah, it's iconic. It, it's like, it's iconic, and she, it was so good that she had to recreate it three times. I, I loved it the first time. I was actually funny, fine with it the second time, so I thought it was funny. The third time, I think the best one this year, for as much as I hate her, Candace is one about the Sleeping Beauty being woke. Um, I, I actually like that one. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's good. It's well thought out. But I agree with you. I actually maybe even like Giselle's the second season even more. It's like, oh, this is funny. I'm still the word on the street. I it's just of, funny. <laughs> yeah, those are the... Giselle has, to me, the best tagline of, of the entire show. And amongst the pantheon of other of Housewife cities, it's not the best. I will say this really quickly. Nothing... I think... I don't know if anything's worse than this past season of New York's taglines that were all so, 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 so bad. 
Oh, they were so bad. I'm guilty of being fabulous. Oh my God. It's like we get it. And what was Bethany's? Something really um, terrible? When life gives you lemons or limes, I make margaritas or something? Yeah, it's like we're doing a skinny girl reference and you're like really 10 years in, we're doing a skinny girl reference in your opening. Like, are we not beyond that? I will say this. <laughs> it shouldn't be good. It really should not be good. But I think the one, because they always try and do um, a tagline situation where it's like, if they can like have women do like a, a theme tagline, like Kyle Richards talking about Beverly Hills, or like, I, I, which I don't normally like. The one that I actually don't mind, I don't know why, is Tamara referencing being hot all the time. Live. Live, laugh, love, truly. I mean, that's like one of my favorites too. Tamara's best tagline, I just want to say this really quickly. Tamara's best tagline, so I was watching season five of OC recently, was Tamara saying, um, housewives come younger, but they don't come hotter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's honestly iconic, and I wish that was Tamara's house. <laughs> Tamara being the hottest housewife is like, it's iconic. I love, I actually really do like Tamara's openings. She's a great one. This year, I think all the OC openings this year are pretty good, actually. Tamara's like faith, family, and fitness was the only Fs I give is iconic. It's funny. Tamara's so funny when she's like, when she wants to be. She she's really is. She's a demon monster. She has that Giselle quality. They're not the same person. Giselle's not a demon monster like her. But the quality they do share is that they're both very witty. Just like, you can excuse any terrible behavior when a person's witty enough. She, I mean, Tamara is shockingly funny. It really, yeah. I, I, she will make me gut laugh at times. Yeah. Um, she has that power. Other question I have for you is, what's Ashley's future on the show? We talked about this a little bit. I think you said that you think she's staying after this. Yeah. I, I do just because I think that she's so necessary for the conflict of the show. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I want her to stay. I'm I'm worried that with everything that happened this year with her husband, that she that they will not be having her back. I mean, I think they will be because she's such an asset to the show. I don't. The question is, does she want to be back? I would assume that Ashley would stay on the show until the show goes into the ground. But yeah, I would think so. But after this year, I'm wondering if it's going to go a different way. I just don't know. I agree with you. I mean, it definitely is. It's like 100% up in the air. And especially because they're still filming the reunion and like anything can happen during that, especially when they have to talk about this stuff. And the women are obviously going to be coming for her. Who knows what will happen? But I I did say to you last time that we recorded, I, I think that for the most part, Ashley's a very good girl when it comes to Bravo. I think that she stays in her in her lane. She doesn't speak out of turn. She's very grateful to be there. Like she's just one of those housewives that like doesn't feel the need to rock the boat with like production at all. Like you know what I mean? Like even during this whole thing, that like, she was just so I'm saying nothing. And it like isn't even about protecting Michael. It's like about protecting her stance on the show. You know what I mean? Like I am just being a good, sweet girl. So I think that Bravo would reward her for um how well she's handled this whole thing and like not like incriminating them when they very easily could have. I will say that while it could have went another way and like after they sort of said the the footage is like not quite true or whatever, I, it's not that Bravo's kept her away from the spotlight. They actually had her on watch happens live this past Sunday where she did um, talk about mail order cooch Katie and said, um, basically she, so the whole thing when Jacob at the time, Katie's boyfriend said that Michael can call him on his private line or something. Mm-hmm. Ashley said, this was so bad. This is during the after show. And after Ashley said this, Andy's like, okay, so good night, everyone. And like wraps it up. Like, not even kidding. Go watch this on bravotv.com. Ashley says he has a private line because he's a drug dealer. Jacob. 
What? Not kidding. Ashley was like, yeah, why would, why would someone have two phones? Because he's a drug dealer. Wow, that really adds an element to a lot of things. Uh, uh, I forgot to mention that before. Oh my. I wish I, well, I wish you would have. Because now I'm like, now I'm like stunned. Uh, sorry. Holy shit. Damn. Whistleblower Ashley. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was like, good night, everybody. See you later. <laughs> Another way, by the way, another thing that they will not be mentioning at the reunion because Katie's not there. God damn it. I will never, I will be literally like middle-aged mom tweeting at Bravo. Katie should be at this reunion. They should at least Skype her in if they don't want her physically there. I'm sorry. They should at least Skype her in. I agree. They should Brandy Glanville her and like record her in like some room that they've built to look like a little like chateau. Yes, with like her wig like falling off her head, like yeah. glass of wine. Uh, that would actually be ideal. I would actually love to see Katie in that setting. One more question I have for you is what's so, uh, who's leaving first? Like this seems like kind of a perfect cast right now, in my opinion. What's who's leaving? If it honestly, in my opinion, I think the cast is so perfect, and I, I don't think Bravo is going to want to. I think Andy, I mean, I mentioned this to you before that Andy was on Wendy Williams the other day, and he agreed that this is um, Potomac's breakout season. Yep. And I don't think they want to rock the boat on that in the sense, in the same way that they don't want to rock the boat on New York's current casting, because it's just so perfect. It's, like, it's so perfection. Um, if anything, I think they would add someone. I think so, too. I'm wondering who would leave first, like willingly leave. I think the person to willingly leave first would probably be... Monique. I was thinking the same thing. Probably Monique. Because she just seems so fulfilled in life that, like, the show doesn't, like, make her. And, like, when she first started, I would never say that. Like, that she would be the one to leave. But, like, now, just seeing how chill and, like, fucking no fuck she is about everything, I think she'd be like, all right, like, I'll live. I just had a baby. Whatever. Yeah. I think, I'm rich. I think Monique would be the first one to leave. And I will say that I had this, like, weird flash forward where I could see, like, so, like, 14 years into Orange County, we're seeing Vicky being the outcast on her own show. Actually, mm-hmm. friend up, but also even seeing her just, like, the cast, like, clearly doesn't like her very much. Mm-hmm. I have a very... I, I get this vibe that that's going to be Giselle if this show goes 14 years in. I could totally see that. 100%. So see it. Like, everyone else is gone, but Giselle is there, and it's a whole new group of women, and it's just, like, her, like, frolicking around, like, Vicky at a party where she, no one wants her there. And it's like, oh, God. I also do think too that, and not just to like end this with this thought, tell me what you think. I think that we are on the cusp of a Giselle and Robin season, a la Bethany and Carol. <gasps> and I think it'll be riveting. Oh, I agree. I didn't even think about that. And I should have because, okay, so this all leads into what's going down in the Cayman Islands. So I, I, please, Anyone who's listening, we, we have to all talk about this because, and I love giving our predictions because yes, I agree that's coming. A big fallout's coming. And what I will say from what I heard from the tease from Grand Cayman and what we saw in the trailer was that Robin does call out Giselle for doing uh, starting a shit show at her house. Um, and oddly enough, Ashley says, did you see in that preview where Ashley says to Katie, I don't think you're emotionally stable enough to be in this group and throws yeah. that mom at her and then Katie yeah. is like persona non grata on the trip? Yeah. Like, I think that, like, it's coming. I think that Robin has found her voice. Yep. Uh-huh. And uh, I think that Robin will fall into the arms of Karen and 
Karen will say, I told you so about Giselle. And uh, it'll be amazing. It will be incredible. I can, I just, I see it happening. I'm so excited. It's going to happen. Actually, yeah, that's kind of the way it always, always goes down. It's really hard to keep rock solid relationships on the show. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I think, yeah. I think it's heading in that direction. Wow. This is like the first year that Robin's really like back talked her. Yes. I'm curious to see how Robin's going to confront her in the Cayman Islands. Um, Cause it was bad. Like what Giselle did by showing up at her house and like, and doing that whole shit show. It was bad. It was not a good look. I love Giselle, but that was bad. Well, it just showed how much like Robin is just one of those women that you have to remind yourself has emotions. Yes. Because she's true. such a mute fucking beige wall that like, you have to be like, oh my God, like you feel stuff. Holy shit. I'm um, sorry. That was super rude. Like I forget, you know what I mean? Which sounds terrible, but like, she's so easy to discredit or not discredit, um, dismiss. And Giselle has such a big personality that it's like, I, I, the only reason that their relationship works is because she's such a mute. Yeah. It works in the sense that Giselle is very much alpha and Robin's very much beta. And it's a moment yeah. where Giselle truly could not give a shit about what was going about anything that Robin was doing. She went in there with the vengeance and it just, yeah. it was a bad look. Her best friend lost all of her money, like clawed herself out of a financial ruin has like started a new career and is obviously trying to like introduce herself, reintroduce herself on the show as somebody who isn't pathetic. And like, that's her best friend. And she showed up and didn't give a fuck. She didn't give a fuck. She was like, I don't give a fuck about this fucking real estate bullshit. I'm here to fight. Yeah. She couldn't get a She's all driving yeah. out there. She drove an hour there for a reason. Yeah. I love how they always, I just says, I always love that they always say they drive two hours to go see Robin. Or I know, I know. <laughs> to go like, see her townhouse. For two hours. I was like, I can relate. I was like, you know what? I respect Candace for that and that alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brandon, tell people where they can find you on, uh, on the uh, old interwebs. You can find me um, stalking Miss Katie Ross on Instagram. <laughs> I'm at the Brandon Alvarado. Um, and. You can find me on Twitter at the B Alvarado. I'm also on Facebook, and we can chat on there. I, there's so much to talk about. Please, like, I'll yeah. And we got to figure out what our next couple is going to be. And I have an idea for it. And I'm going to throw this name out there. Just okay. Now, Vicky and Brooks. Ah yes. I'm applauding. I'm giving a standing ovation. You guys can't see it. Um, I'm okay with that. I would love to talk about Brooks. I would love to research Brooks's lies. Thank you. All right. right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, Brandon, I love you. Thanks for doing this with me again. I <laughs> love you. Thank you again. Um, hopefully this one saves. Let's hope so. I think this one will be good. I think I, I, I'm glad we re-recorded. All right. Well, you guys, that was episode 106 of The Smush Room. Brandon, I will text you as soon as we stop recording. And I love you. And uh, bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Smush Room, an emotionally broken psycho's Patreon exclusive. Please make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps your boy. Also, make sure to head over to patreon.com slash evpsychos for more information on this show and other Patreon-exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McEady. That's T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y. You can also follow this podcast at EBP underscore Smushroom. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.